Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. So hello and welcome to Hopefully Not Unlucky, episode 113 of the Glovers Cast. This is Dave and I'm the lone amigo of the three voices you usually hear. Ben's off taking his positivity down to South Somerset, whereas Ian's decamped to a different part of the West Country for a few days away with the family. So it's left to me to talk to you all about a 2-0 defeat at League Leaders Grimsby Town on Saturday, which to my eternal shame, I didn't make that local trip. Uh, from my northern outpost here to Blundell Park and instead I gave a good friend of mine the best birthday gift that I could missing a northern away game to attend her 40th birthday but don't worry this isn't going to be me just chatting to myself for an hour um, as I decided to invite a couple of people who were actually there so firstly welcome back to the Glovers cast I think for the second time Sheridan Robbins thank you very much hello am I right is this your second appearance uh, it's second appearance yeah Fantastic. And uh, and another voice alongside her is her co-commentator from yesterday's match on BBC Somerset and the voice of Yeovil's lockdown. He's not Lawson Diaf, but he is Marcus Duncan. Welcome back, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't live up to Lawson's uh, fantastic co-commentary, but I think the BBC are probably happy with that. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it is nice to hear your voices because I, I, I did try several times yesterday afternoon to try and hear them. I think there was a bit of a technical glitch with the internet side, but you were on the FM frequency, I think, so you weren't talking to yourselves. 
No, no. So we were getting all those sort of messages that people couldn't hear us and the panic sets in, but everything was going fine radio wise. I'm told it was a, a problem in Manchester, so we shouldn't blame the people in Bristol. So There you go. Those in the north. <laughs> Can't, can't, can't be living with them. Well, I guess in that case, as I didn't hear, I have to ask this question first of all, Sheridan. How much did Marcus swear on air? Was it as much as Lawson or, or not quite as much? You know what? Marcus said to me, any ground rules? And <laughs> one ground rule was don't swear. <laughs> don't so, swear. Uh, he passed that test, yes. So, oh. um, yeah, much, uh, much appreciated by the BBC and myself. And uh, I know everyone loved Lawson, um, but Marcus was a, a wonderful co-commentator. <laughs> I did feel guilty stepping into his shoes because, I mean, I for one enjoyed his co-commentary last yeah. Tuesday. But, uh, but yeah, it was, a, and it was good fun to go up to Grimsby as well, tick off a new ground. Oh, OK. I see you've never been. I was going to say, I was trying to work out how it could be good fun to go to Grimsby, especially as you're on the train. <laughs> it's a bit of a trek, you know? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a bit of a trek. I think I left at 7.15 from London, got back at 10.45. It was a long old day, but uh, I mean, I was going to say worth it, but... Uh... If the result was slightly different, then maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let, let's get into uh, into talking about the game. And I'm going to leave this to you guys because uh, because you were there and I wasn't. But um, I was listening. I did listen to a uh, I listened to the guys on Free Valleys yesterday. Um, and uh, I mean, it didn't sound like a terrible performance from the, the commentary that I was listening to. But just looking at some of the statistics that uh, Ben, obviously the statistician amongst us all, has, uh, has sent across. So looking here. One shot on target, which I think was uh, Dale Gorman's 85th minute free kick. Four off target, um, seven corners to their one. Uh, and I don't quite know how this uh, website gets dangerous attacks, but it has us having 67 dangerous attacks to their 51 and 53% of the possession. I mean, statistics, you know, there's lies, damn lies in statistics, isn't there? But... It, it didn't sound that bad. And I actually read a couple of Grimsby fans on the um, on, on social media saying you did all right, except for except for going forward. But we still lost the game 2 nil. So so go on, Sheridan. How, uh, I'll, I'll start off with you. What does that all mean? Yeah, um, I'm not surprised by those statistics, to be honest, and I probably wouldn't have been surprised if that's how the game went before the match. Spoke to BBC Radio Humberside, they were asking sort of what to expect, and I said, I, I imagine we'll play some nice football, we'll try and attack going forward, but we're really struggling to score goals. And that was the story of the afternoon. Um, it was really frustrating. I think it has improved from the past few home games where we only had one shot on target, but we really didn't put any pressure inside the box. Whereas we did against Grimsby, we really frustrated them, particularly at 1-0. You could feel their fans getting restless that, that Yeovil Town were dominating in possession, which is something that Darren said that probably we shouldn't expect this season. But we have started to have a little bit more possession. But the most worrying thing was, where was that goal, goal going to come from? And Marcus and I said it numerous times on, on commentary where's the equaliser coming from and uh, I, I think all the players know that that's their issue at the moment and no Darren knows that that's the biggest problem but they're a very good side they're a very good side there's a reason they're top of the league and not dropped a point at home which is seriously impressive but I think we caused them more problems than, than many of the time the, many of the teams that have visited Blundell Park this season but as you say the same thing happened and, and we've lost the game which is really frustrating yeah 
and, and Marcus to say, listening to it, it sounded like there was lots going forward. Uh, I heard on several occasions, Dan Moss seemed to be in the game quite a lot. Jordan Barnett was, was doing his usual thing and bombing forward. So it seemed like the opportunities were being created, but it just sort of, did it just go to pieces? The old jigsaw effect, was it? Go to pieces in the box? Yeah, it was just sort of that um, that final ball. And I don't really know if any of the players knew how they were going to do that because we had Quigley in there. He was getting into the... I, I, he, well, he was getting into the positions, but there, we never... I mean, as you say, our first shot on target was in the 85th minute and we had a I'm lot of the kick. ball. Uh. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of set pieces that we didn't really do much with until late on in the game. Um, it, we, we played fine with the ball apart from <laughs> in that final third. It was, it was, I mean, it was incredibly frustrating. Like you, you, it really probably should have been a nil nil because the two goals, they, along with us not creating anything, Grimsby, we limited them really, really well, actually. And their two goals obviously came from a penalty, which was a sort of moment of madness from Grant Smith. And then in the 90th minute when we were going for it and Max Hunt was up front. So it could have very easily been nil-nil. And uh, yeah, it, I, I'm really concerned about where on earth our, our goals are going to come from, to be honest, because we never, never looked like scoring at all. Yeah. And they had, um, was it John Lewis? Then old John Lewis up front. He sounded like he had a, well, he obviously scored with the penalty, didn't he? But he sounded from the commentary I heard that he had, he had a couple of chances that maybe another striker might have put away. I mean, if it was someone other than him up front, would he, could it have been more or was, was 2-0 fair, do you think? There definitely should have been a one for John Lewis. It's yeah. one of the worst misses I've oh, ever yeah. seen. Oh, yeah. Three yards out or something. It, Everyone it? in our stand thought it had gone in. Yeah. We... It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. That Their fans were celebrating. Behind us were celebrating. All the commentary had said he'd scored. And somehow it went just wide. You're, and you're, it played well. Yeah. But that was a, a, a shocking miss. But that felt like that could have been a key moment. And I think Yeovil probably could have got the equaliser from there. You know, they've missed that chance. That's a huge chance. 7,000 fans are frustrated that he's just missed from three yards. That was our opportunity and we just couldn't quite get it. No, the goal alert flashed up on my phone and then a minute later came up with a correction saying, no, it was definitely still 1-0. So. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was one of the worst misses I've ever seen. And right. uh, yeah, that was more as Yeovil was sort of going for it as well. I think that was quite late on in maybe like the 78th minute or something. And um, yeah, part, in the first half particularly, there were no chance of, you know, I want to know what a dangerous attack is now because <laughs> saying there were over 100 in that game is uh, no. generous, I think. Yeah. Well, the, the, the website that Ben's given me has got the look of his uh, bookmaker's employer. So I'm guessing he might have to uh, have a look there and see uh, see what counts as a dangerous attack because, yeah, no, it didn't sound, sound like a lot, but... I mean, Sheridan, obviously you were there in midweek um, at Weymouth. Uh, they, a lot of that, I think seven of those players played the full 120 plus penalties. I mean, did that start to tell? Did they, they start to tie? I think Jordan Barnett said to you uh, when you talked to him afterwards that, you know, it was sapping. But was that a problem? I actually don't think it was. I mean, I was extremely surprised that there were no changes. You know, we, we were talking before the match, weren't we, Marcus, about 
who would come in, who would who would potentially change, particularly midfield. We thought Tom Knowles might start um, just because they played that 120 minutes. I, I, I thought that 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 side was going to be changed because Darren does make changes quite often. Um, so super surprised, as you say, seven of them played 120 minutes, but credit to them. They did not look tired. I don't know if it's just spoken to a friend who's a Weymouth fan. They looked very tired, but of course we won that game. So perhaps mm-hmm. you've got that little bit more momentum um, to bring you forward. Um, Darren didn't make substitutions until late, um, but I wouldn't say that they looked particularly tired. So maybe that's why he didn't make that decision. Um, there were a few mistakes creeping in, but from both sides and, and mm-hmm. we were making some mistakes and they'd made five changes for their FA Cup match, which they breezed past five nil. So. I was very impressed, actually. And of course, we've got a game Tuesday and Saturday at seven and eight. of It doesn't us. stop, does it? It doesn't stop. It does not stop. And, and so, you know, potentially that, you know, we've got the sports scientists is that their recovery seems to be much better, particularly even from, from last season. So I was very impressed. And, and yeah, Jordan Barnett, he did look tired and obviously he came, he came off, but he was very impressive. Again, there was a lot of running going forward. And I know Darren spoke to me after Weymouth saying Matt Worthington, potentially was really fatigued but I thought he was excellent again he was getting forward um I think he's becoming a bit more of a key player um so potentially you know in the last 20 minutes or so it might have had an impact but very impressive with the fitness side of things I didn't think they showed their tiredness I don't know if you agree Marcus yeah no I I do actually I I was quite concerned when he he named the same 11 because we had options on the bench as well with Knowles and Yusuf, who I expected to be honest to come in um but they yeah they didn't look tired at all it wasn't I mean Grimsby pressed incredibly well I, I remember in the first 10 minutes I was a bit blown away at Grimsby's quality like they look like a league two side to be honest with the players they've got and how energetic they didn't give the oval players any time on the ball so I thought that was really gonna affect us but it, it didn't really to be honest and we kept the ball quite well Gorman in particular I was impressed with apart from his shooting antics and in the final third I uh no he he kept the ball and broke up play really nicely he was almost playing in that Charlie Lee role from last season um but yeah we didn't really look too fatigued which is odd I guess but um they also a lot of them hadn't played for two weeks because they were all rested for the FA Cup so maybe they were still getting back to it which is why they were a bit off the races it sounded like they were yesterday yeah, I have to say, if you go on, on the website now, you'll see Marcus's five conclusions article, which includes the brilliant line of uh, give that man a tequila because Dale Gorman loves a shot. So, <laughs> that, that's fantastic. I have to say we like that one. But um, I, I mean, I'll go into some questions because we've had quite a lot of uh, questions, which I'm going to let you answer all of because I, I don't want anything to do with it. Um, but 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 one point is listening to the manager afterwards. He was saying um, it's not enough. We, we we can't feel that it's enough to play well and not win. But then he he was talking in positive terms. I think his first words to Sheridan were, um, "I thought we were excellent." So. So a bit of a contradiction there, him saying we're excellent, but we can't play well and not win. Is that? Possibly. But in his defence, my sort of opening question was, that was a good performance from your side, you know, saying that they're top of the league. Um, it's that horrible thing, isn't it? We're Yeovil Town, we're a big side in this division. But the reality is Grimsby has 7,000 fans there. They're on an, a cracking run. Um, they've got new owners that's brought a real bounce. It was always going to be really tough for us. And so perhaps you go in thinking you're going to get 
some sort of defeat and it wasn't as bad as we thought and potentially we could have nicked a point probably should have nicked a point I think that would have been a, a fair result in the fact that we had a lot of the possession we just didn't create those those chances so I, I know what what you mean in terms of of the contradiction but those those players they looked devastated when they conceded the, conceded the second it was quite something and I, I, I tweeted this afterwards Lewis Simper who'd only just come on and it's his second appearance for Yeovil Town he was really rallying the troops after the 90th minute goal that they scored and I thought that was really really interesting because clearly there's a there's a camaraderie there there's a team spirit in that side so he's got to get the balance that of course you know he wants to make them into winners but he doesn't want to take them out down too much I think Sometimes you have to manage certain personalities. Personalities react better to hair dryer treatment. Some personalities don't react too well to that. So it's a it's a fine balance. It was a, it was a good performance, and I was pleased with the the endeavour, the hard work, the the pressing that we tried to create. We just didn't have that that quality. So um, I think it potentially is going to be a different line of questioning on Tuesday, depending on the result against a side. That, that we probably need to get three points from in, in Woking on Tuesday. Um, but I think the way I opened my question probably opened him into that, that kind of contradiction. Yeah. He said about giving Matt Worthington a big cuddle, didn't he, after the game? So could just imagine that. But yeah, I mean, we've been talking, Ian in particular has been talking on here about the need for that kind of attack. And Ed Upson type is what, is what Ian talks about. And Marcus, I don't know if you think... Matt Worthington, we, we spoke at the beginning of the season about how this was a really big season for him. Obviously, he didn't start it well getting sent off in that first um, first game. But, you know, he scored on Tuesday night. Sounded like he did all right yesterday at, at Grimsby. I mean, I'm not saying is he Ed Upson, but could, could he be that kind of a player? Or is maybe Lewis Simper, is he that kind of a player for us? It was tough because our two... we. I noticed we almost sort of reverted back to the diamond actually yesterday with Gorman at the base and then Barnett and Worthington left and right with Sonny in the number 10 and then uh, Wakefield and Quigley up top. And we don't have that, uh, that, as you say, that ups and that sort of playmaker attacking type midfielder. Um, Worthington and Gorman, they're both like, incredibly energetic and Gorman can, he's got some lovely technique from a, a dead ball situation, but whether he can pick out those passes necessarily, and we don't have anyone make it, looking forward making those passes. There was a lot of, I mean, the Grimsby fans behind us in sort of the 70th minute were every time Staunton or Gorman hits it long to quickly were going, oh, another hoof. And it's sort of, if other teams are noticing this, then it, it just, yeah, we didn't, I do think we're missing, because last season, obviously, and the season before, we had Diaz. Skendy and Jimmy Smith, who were all more attacking-minded midfielders. We've got Sonny, who I still don't really know if he's a midfielder or a forward, um, but we want someone making those late runs into the box, picking passes out, and I think that's really what's missing from the side at the moment. And whether Darren Sol will look to recruit in that area, we'll see, because we're not too heavy on central midfielders, it's got to be said at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, th this actually brings into uh, into a question that we've got from uh, from Hugh from Hughish Hugh, which is, um, what do people think is the main reason for the lack of goals? Is it a lack of creativity of chances, poor finishing, the wrong overall tactics, something else? What's the one thing you change as a priority to try and increase our scoring? Go on, I Sheridan. Oh, sorry, Marcus. You can go no, first. If you want. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I don't think you can 
blame it on a lack of finishing if they don't have any chances to finish really because quickly he worked really hard he was he was quite deep in our in our half at times winning tackles and he played well in that sense but you don't that's not really what you want your striker to do and I think it's he was doing that to get involved in the game because he wasn't getting any touches where he wanted them um I, I personally think it's that lack of or maybe they don't know what they're how they're supposed to be creating chances um I think we just need to get anything crosses into the box passes to the edge of the box and just see what happens but there was nothing yesterday absolutely nothing so I think that's a good point particularly on crosses um as good as Charlie Wakefield has been going up front I think then you miss that width when he's on the wing I think that's been so effective in the in the games that we've won this season particularly Stockport um him being out wide was really causing them all sorts of problems and we were able to um, break down Grimsby's defence. And I think if we had a little bit more width and with Jordan Barnett now being able to come forward, he loves that position coming forward on, on the left, perhaps then be able to get creative a bit more chances wise. And I think it's crucial that Ben Seymour is available for Tuesday um, because I think as, as Marcus says, I think he's more of a clear cut striker than say Sonny. Um, and Adi Youssef really needs to get his fitness up because clearly he's a good finisher as well. Um, so I, I think Charlie Wakefield has done exceptionally well at centre forward, but I would prefer to see him um, on the wing, creating those chances, getting those good crosses. And he's a great crosser of the ball. And also he can shoot from that area as well. We've seen that a couple of times. Um, and, and Jordan Barnett then probably has that, that freedom if he's got another winger on the other side as well. And uh, I think there's another point on uh, our attacking play. We said we had a lot of set pieces. I think we really need to get other players chipping in on goals. Um, Max Hunt, six foot seven. He's got to get his head onto more of those balls inside the box. He's been fantastic at centre half, but, you know, Terry Skiverton must be pulling his hair out, you know, <laughs> getting in those good positions and not heading the ball home because there's good crosses coming in both from Gorman and from Barnett and even from Simper when he came on yesterday um, on that left-hand side. We've got to add that to our game because we're forcing the set piece. And if we can't create those clear-cut chances in the box, get a set piece, but we've got to make more of it. Um, so that's what I think we need to do going forward. Definitely looks like Jordan Barnett's been tearing his hair out, hasn't he? Where's that all gone? <laughs> <laughs> he was he was loving it yesterday, actually. He yeah. was scrapping with all the Grimsby players and he was getting a bit of stick off the crowd, but he's yeah. a nutter. He's an absolute <laughs> nutter. I, I, was told, I was told on, on radio, so I'm, I'm repeating this again, he didn't tell me uh, confidentially that he had a bad haircut, so he had to get rid of it. So- oh, right, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's, he's certainly got rid of it, that's for sure. Yeah, I thought he was trying to match Josh Staunton or something. Um, it's interesting what you both say about uh, Quigley, because we've got another question from, from, from Mitchell Clark. He's saying, does he does he need a break? Because uh, I think he play, started every game, I think, maybe. I can't think of too many that, that, that he's missed. Um, so, yeah, Mitchell asked, does the top end need a reshuffle because of the lack of goals? And, uh, and what would you do? I mean... You've both mentioned that we've already got, you know, you've got Yusuf on the, on, on the bench. Um, I chuckle because uh, last game I saw was, was boring wood and just uh, <laughs> at the risk of getting a bit Marley Cyrus about it, the wrecking ball of, uh, of Adi Yusuf <laughs> just come flying in on that massive centre half of boring wood was, uh, yeah, I did put my head in my hands with that one. But then Seymour as well. I mean, he was missing 
what was the reason he said it was a covid thing but he hasn't yeah, got covid he hasn't got covid so his one of his family members i think must have tested positive so he had to take a pcr test it ah. came back far too late um and darren said that it was just not worth him traveling all that way he wouldn't have been ready for for a match and maybe not even got here in time but he will be available for selection on tuesday because I think it was clear, you know, he, there's a player in there in oh, yeah. for sure. Um, and and one of the, it's every striker, isn't it? Once you get a goal, you can go on a little bit of a, a run. And I think he's a proper, proper centre forward, which is exactly what we need. Quigley, I mean, you cannot fault his work, right? He didn't look tired, but maybe just, you know, mentally missing, missing that penalty. It might have been worth him taking that fifth penalty uh, on Tuesday just to get that confidence back, because that must have, really really hurt him but um you know he gave Jordan Barnett a rest out of nowhere and, and fans weren't happy and actually I think that might have done Barnett some good so maybe it would be worth uh, you know dropping quickly to the bench um bringing in Seymour or Yusuf um just for a little bit something different going forward because he does get quite a lot of stick from center half Joe Quigley they do very much put two uh, on him he's a big striker isn't he we know he's way more than that um but sometimes it, it's hard for him to get forward and and get free from the defenders so you know with all these games it's not as if you know you're dropping him for a bad performance you're dropping him to give him a rest and I, I wouldn't be against that at all yeah I'd, I'd take him out I, I don't really see what there is to lose uh we've scored two in our last six league games so it's not like we're changing a winning formula he started the season really well in the first sort of four games but since then hasn't scored or chipped in he's our only sort of you'd say physical well I guess we've got Yusuf as well um but one who's been in form. He's definitely physical Yusuf. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but I, yeah I, I don't really see what we've got to lose from taking taking him out it's not like we're suddenly not going to score because that's yeah. been what's happening um just try something different and if it works that's that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the other games I saw earlier in the season was, was Aldershot when obviously he scored twice. And I know one of those was a, was a penalty, but it seemed there. I mean, we talked, haven't we? Or the managers talked about head on a stick and all of this. And he's more than that. But it seemed we were playing the ball into his feet, and particularly Aldershot. I remember a couple of times he like burst down the like the left wing and you're looking thinking is that quickly bursting down the left wing but he'd get the ball at his feet and he'd, he'd run with it and he's got decent technique isn't he for a you know for a big guy um but we just don't seem to do and you mentioned there marcus about how a couple of people are talking about hoofing the ball up to up to quickly again i mean has that changed is it the way we're playing to him that's changed a bit as well i think it was more the players they were trying to create stuff uh like on the floor but then it just wasn't, they weren't having any luck. So I think they eventually sort of resorted to just hoofing it long, which as we know, just <laughs> doesn't really, it's never really worked for us. Yeah. Um, I think we need, yeah, I think we, as Sheridan said, we need that more width because um, quickly, as you say, is really good with his feet, um, but he also is really good in the air, attacking the ball, not sort of flicking it on as much, but winning a header to score um, rather than, uh, flicking on to someone so if we just I'd, I'd, I'd go back to just a 4-4-2 with Knowles Wakefield that's what worked for us so well when we beat Stockport and Aldershot and Halifax we were just playing a simple 4-4-2 and uh, it was working fine and I probably I don't know whether you give Yusuf a start because last time that happened was Boreham Wood I think and uh, that didn't go so well but um, he is one of those players who can just bundle in a scrappy goal Yusuf and I think that may be something that we're missing. 
I think he made a real difference when he came on against Weymouth. He obviously won that last minute penalty. Not so much yesterday, but he wasn't on very long. So, you know, it's 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 hard to judge with that amount of time, whereas he obviously had the full 30 or plus minutes of, of extra time at Weymouth. And I think he he did make a difference and he is one of the, the more experienced players. I did notice, you don't always see, but we were very close to the dugout yesterday and he's very much a leader. Um, he was always there waiting when he was going to come on because he was shouting instructions. He was talking to the players when it went out for a throw in. So from that respect as well, um, I know there's lots of talk about it, but it, it is a young side. That's the reality. I think they need someone like that, been there, done it, um, able to, to to help them along. And, and probably Joe Quigley as well. I think Joe Quigley, uh, you know, alongside a more experienced striker will help as well. Strikers go through this. They go through periods of of scoring and, and not. And I'm not disappointed with his performances at, at all. As Marcus said, he worked incredibly hard. So you really don't don't want to criticise. I just think perhaps he might he might need a rest and then bring him on alongside Yusuf on, on Tuesday and see how that partnership works. Yeah. You, you mentioned there about substitutes and that, that goes on to another question from the excellently named, I'll get this right, Lord Snappy Baron of Somerset. Whoever that is, but uh, fantastic, nice. yeah, fantastic <laughs> name. And he says, "Why, oh, why, oh, why uh, do we never make changes until the last seconds?" Now I looked up what when the changes came yesterday. So Yusuf came off a quickly on seventy minutes. Knowles on for Sunny on seventy six, and Simper on for Barnet on eighty four. Now twenty minutes to go. I mean, maybe that's. I'd have thought for a player like Ada Yusuf, twenty minutes is enough to to do something. Um, I mean, do, do we think the manager makes the changes too late, generally? I don't know, Marcus, you think? Yeah, this is something we were saying on commentary quite a bit because at, at, at half-time, it was clear we weren't creating anything. Like, just nothing was happening. And we had Noel, Simper and Yusuf on the bench. All, I mean, we haven't seen much of Simper, but from what we've heard and what we the brief little we have seen, he can he is that sort of creative midfield player. Um and Sonny, it, it just wasn't his game. We've seen this quite a bit this season. Weymouth on Tuesday, obviously I wasn't there, but everyone said he was oh, really yeah. good. He was outstanding. Mm. Yeah, but he was completely anonymous yesterday. And you could tell at half-time that it, it just wasn't going to happen for him. And so I thought, you should just bring him off. It just wasn't working for him. Why not? And uh, I thought, that, yeah, the change, the first change, I thought it was later than that, to be honest, because I didn't realise Yusuf was on for 20 minutes because he really didn't do a huge amount until the last sort of five minutes. And uh, it was an odd first change because the problem wasn't with the striker. They, they couldn't really get involved in the game much. It was what was going on deeper than that. So I thought Knowles or Simper probably would have been more effective, both of whom actually were quite lively when they came on late on. But uh, it was just too late. And we were saying, even in sort of the 60th minute, like Darren Sol needs to change something. And it was... For me, it was Sonny who was coming on because he was, unfortunately, just a passenger in that yeah. game. What was the difference between Tuesday night and, and yesterday at Grimsby with, with Sonny? Because as you say, listening to you and, and, and Lawson on the commentary, you were all talking about how well he played. And I, I remember seeing him up at Stockport and thinking he had a good game up there as well. But then I've seen him in other games where he has just been completely anonymous. I mean, what was the difference in... I think that Grimsby, they're a big side. Yeah. They're a very strong side. They don't let you have the ball very much. Whereas with Weymouth and even Stockport, 
Sonny was able to run at players. He was able to do his one-twos, his trickery. I mean, he's a he's a technically fantastic footballer. I just don't think he got that opportunity. I think particularly in the first half, we were a bit overrun in midfield. And, you know, Sonny was getting frustrated that he was being pushed off the ball a little bit too much. I don't know if you would bring him off at halftime. I think that's slightly harsh. Um, we saw Charlie Wakefield come off at halftime a couple of weeks ago, and actually it didn't really change anything I think you've got to give them that opportunity after the halftime talk to to try and impose themselves on the game but that was it Sonny wasn't able to impose himself on the game and that's potentially credit to the opposition um whereas against Weymouth I just thought he dictated play he took more of a leadership role which I have to say I think I said to you on commentary Marcus that he was talking a lot more to his to his teammates he was very much more vocal so he is improving as a player as a man it's just potentially not always going to work particularly uh, against the the league leaders and uh, yeah I just don't think he was able to to showcase exactly what he can do and you know probably tiredness as well he hasn't had the um continuation of the couple few games that potentially say Barnet has you know you just you're just working through Sonny was brought back in for that Weymouth game then then played um you know over 90 minutes so um I I don't know I think he might start on Tuesday and I don't think that's that's a that's a bad thing at all um we just didn't see the best of him yesterday yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he had an amazing game against Woking to be honest it's this sort of thing where it's just some games aren't for him and it was interesting in Darren Soul's post-match he said he said to you Sheridan that a Sonny was he, he was quite harsh on him actually the harshest he's been on him he said he really wasn't good at all and I thought it was strange that if he was sort of aware of that and thought he was playing poorly he waited until the 76th minute to make a change and I, I wonder if our just thinking back to previous seasons if, if Darren Soul's sort of system doesn't suit that type of tricky attack attacking midfielder because we had Matt Warburton last season who was sort of he was not the biggest but technically brilliant we've seen him do it at Halifax this season but he just didn't work for us at all whereas someone like Albie Skendy playing there because he was bigger it's not like he's going to get pushed off the ball in that position it's a hard position to play in a league like the National League and I think you do need a bit more of a physical presence if you're going to play an attacking midfielder or just play three midfielders and one a bit sort of deeper but more creative it was a very physical game wasn't it I mean their physical side we're a physical side um although no booking until the 86 I noticed that yeah, yeah. remarkable should we I be complaining how... that we didn't get enough bookings in are they are they being too soft now how <laughs> I don't know that, how Barnett did yeah. got away with it <laughs> He, he pushed the same player right in front of the ref and about really? two minutes after each other. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he got away with it, but uh, no, I love I love Jordan Barnett. He's a proper, proper fan's favourite, I think. You, you just want to see that aggression tackles and just he's a bit of a nutcase, to be honest, which is which is what you love to see. We love a nutcase, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, t- talking about Sonny, he's obviously 19 years old, which is again some, something that we probably forget. Um, and got a question here from from our now deposed quiz champion uh Clevo. Uh I had to get that in there, yeah. <laughs> Asking uh to the two to, to the two of you and, and me as well, I guess, what do we make of uh Darren's post-match comments um that we were the better side uh, in particular the quote on it being a young team he says worries him because these are players that he's brought in uh, as in Darren Siles brought in um he appreciates that we're we're working on a low budget though I mean that's a point that we've made a couple of times before is 
I don't really buy this argument of everybody wanted a younger team. I know last season there was some, you know, talking about some of the older players and how they were past it and all the rest of it. But I really don't think that was the majority of people who, who, who thought that. And really, I think the reason we've got a young team is because we don't have the money. We don't have the money to bring in those, those experienced heads. So we have had to bring in, and I mean, it's not a, unfamiliar territory for Yeovil Town buying in young players that have been bombed out of you know, league clubs and players that have got injury records. We've done that for a long time, haven't we? Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. I mean, <laughs> Clevo ends his question by saying, talking about young players, reminds me of another Darren, whose surname I won't mention, but we could probably all guess. So, I mean, do you think there's... Is Darren Betchett, is that... Yeah, I think that's who he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always at it, wasn't he, Darren Betchett? But... I mean, what do you think? Is is that an, a, a reason, an excuse, um, young players? I don't like the comparison between our two managers um, because when I watch this team, I see a hardworking team that are together, that are behind the manager. The amount of games I watched under our previous manager where none of them were bothered, none of them wanted to, to play for Oval Town. You know, Lewis Simper on loan from Cambridge came on rallying the troops, um, real big part of it. He's had COVID, he's had an injury, yet he's still staying around wanting to, to get his football under his belt. I think there's a real difference. I agree that I don't think anyone was particularly asking for a, a young team. I would like a team that's successful, um, that's hardworking, that wins games. Um, but I will say that I like the young players that Darren's brought in. I like watching Sonny when he's at his best. I really enjoyed watching him on Tuesday. Jordan Barnett, you know, 22 years old. And as he says, he's got bite, he's got aggression, but he's also got talent and he's got a good ball on him. Um, Joe Quigley, proving everyone wrong, notwithstanding the conversation we've had about him. Um, I still think he's a good striker for us. Max Hunt, young defender, has, has improved. You know, he was brought out of the team last season, but he's got his spot. And I think he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet now. So possibly sometimes used an excuse, but I, I've always thought that this team was potentially mid-table, but there's always that one team that makes the playoffs and hopefully it will be us. Um, that's how I've always seen this side since we've seen the signings that have come in and it is true those three players that were missing Reuben Reed, Luke Wilkinson and Mark Litter will be crucial um, so I'm really excited to, to see them back but I don't think the comparison with our previous manager is fair I think there is clearly a budget issue um, but I think he's brought players that you know Marcus has already said fans favourite for a couple of them that's great um, we need to get results. We're on a bad, bad run. What I will say is also under Darren Saal, and also it's kind of a Yeovil thing to go on these runs of losses, defeats, and then go on a winning, winning run. So hopefully we're on the cusp of a, a winning run, but it has always been, particularly in recent years, a bit of a trend for Yeovil to go on these, these runs which worry you and put you under pressure, and then hopefully you get back, back to winning ways. But, you know, Tuesday's huge. Tuesday's huge for, the, for these young players um, and for the club as a whole. 
I do love that Darren Way is kind of like Voldemort. He's like he <laughs> he who must not be named, isn't he? So yeah, don't say his name, otherwise he he, he might appear. But I mean, that takes me on to another uh, question, which was actually something that the manager had said in his pre-match before the Grimsby game, talking about there being too much expectation on this um, on this young side. Um, so there's a question from Mike Hudson that says, "Can you r- unravel the too much expectation comment in light of the chairman?" who talked about promotion being the only aim at the, that was in the summer, wasn't it? Obviously <clears throat> haven't heard from the chairman since then. Um, and the same manager was also talking about playoffs in, in midweek, which was I think an interview we did with another podcast. So Mike asks, surely you can't have it both ways. I mean, what do you think, Marcus? Do you, do you think there's too much expectation on them? I think what Darren Sol meant when he said that is on this side, as in the current players he has available, um, because obviously the, all the players who are injured are, are experienced players, whether that's a, a coincidence or not, I don't know. But um, I think at the beginning of the season, signing sort of Mark Little, having Wilkinson and, uh, and Ruben Reed as well, who I know you're not sold on, Dave, but we... <laughs> hasn't been mentioned for so many weeks. <laughs> Sorry, Probably Ruben Reed. That's it. You're not welcome back. <laughs> Throw me under the bus there. But um, I, I think everyone was sort of... I don't think anyone expected playoffs at the beginning of the season. Everyone was expecting mid-table, but it would have been amazing to sneak Except into ben. the playoffs. Except Ben. Ben was, was expecting more. <laughs> I think I predicted about 11th or something with the uh, possibility of sneaking into the playoffs with a decent run. But I don't think there's too much expectation because, I mean, no wins in eight games now, is it? Yeah. It, including the F, obviously FA Cup after 90 minutes, but I don't think that's expecting too much because it's a half decent side. Like obviously he's had to recruit young, but as you said, the the young players he has recruited, they're all individually actually quite decent recruitments. Like Barnett, um, Knowles, and Hunt were at the beginning of that period where I think he wanted to recruit younger after we couldn't buy a win last season. Um, yeah, the recruit. Wakefield as well. They're yeah. decent, good individual players. It's just not working. And I personally don't think just wanting a win against an Altrincham team with a keeper in goal or a left um, back maiden head. Yeah, or um or maidenhead that nil-nil game. I, I personally don't think that is expecting too much. And I I think we should probably expect a win on uh, Tuesday given given the the results I think, I think we need a win and there are going to have to be questions asked if uh, if we don't get that win because we're on a terrible terrible run of form particularly attacking wise it, it, we haven't got battered by any team like even when we played poorly against Notts County um, it was only 2-0 I think that's our biggest loss this season 2-0 we haven't lost by more than that really defensively we're alright but it's just we cannot score to to save our life. It's uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see Tuesday. What do you, what do you think, Sheridan? Do you think there is too much expectation? I I don't know. I I like to think everyone was the same. I think we all felt mid-table and hopefully, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think everything that we're speaking about all stems from the unrest elsewhere um and and I've said this many times that 
I feel really sorry for Darren having to face everything. Um, he should be able to just talk about the football, but he, you know, he's there at matches when there's unrest, not at the performances so much. Obviously, the, the results at home haven't been good enough and that needs to change. But I think all the unrest is with at the top and there's nothing coming from the top. So um, I think we're seeing an improvement in this young side. They're much more exciting to watch. I think if you'd watched a game like yesterday at Hewish Park, people would have said, you know, we gave it a really good go, played some nice passing football, really should have had a had a goal. Whereas, you know, I think the Maidenhead game probably was the worst. It was just such a drab game. Whereas we haven't really seen that in recent games. I mean, the Weymouth one, I think, brought everyone back together with the, the excitement. Um, I think, you know, everyone's just frustrated at the club as a whole rather than um, just the results on, on the pitch. And it just all comes together, doesn't it? And erupts. Um, I don't think expectation is, is too high. I understand that Darren needs to protect his players, but, you know, I've spoken to a lot of the players and they're, they've definitely got their heads screwed on. I was so impressed with Sunny Blue's interview afterwards. Um, obviously, he was completely buzzing, but also he just spoke really well. He knows that he hasn't always performed. And he said, I know when I've had a good game and I know when I haven't. Um, speaking to Jordan Barnett yesterday and, and Tom Knowles, Tom Knowles, he's, I think, lacking confidence for sure. Um, if we get him backfiring, that'll excite the crowd. That'll, you know, get results. He he scored so many winners for us last season. Um, need need to get him backfiring. And that's, a, that's an important moment for Darren to manage him properly because this is the first time, particularly in a Yeovil shirt, that he's not been in the form that he would like. And I spoke to him briefly yesterday and I can just tell that he's he's wanting so much to, to perform better for this team. And so I, I hope that comes from soon. Yeah, and stewards can rest easy if Tom Knowles gets back on form, <laughs> can't they? <laughs> Don't have to watch their baba. I, I, I want to get on to talking. Obviously, your people will be listening to this Monday, hopefully, and uh, we, we've got a game the ne- next day. But there's just one more question that I want to ask Marcus, which is from uh, Mark M. Green. It says, Marcus, what carriage are you in on the train? And do you want a Cronenberg? So <laughs> the question is, did you get a Cronenberg or not? I didn't. I, I actually fell asleep on the train, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, because I knew my King's Cross was the last stop. So there was no uh, no risk. You couldn't I... sleep through and end up in like Calais or something. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bumped into uh, to Mike and, uh, to and Mark. M- Mike, Mike Cleverly Mark. and Mark, yeah, and Doncaster. I got off the train from Cleethorpes and heard heard some Yeovil chants. So, so I had to get involved. And we had a four-minute... They were going on the same train as me. We had a four-minute changeover. And uh, I said, oh, where are you going? They said, um, London way. I was like, oh, okay, we're getting the same train. Do you know where it is? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's down here, down here. So we were- Never follow Mike Cleverly onto a train, <laughs> never. Parading through Doncaster Station. He was like, yeah, it's Platform 8, Platform 8. And then uh, he checked his phone. He was like, oh, no, it's Platform 1. And then we had like two minutes. And uh no, we made the train, so that was all right. But, uh, yeah, gutted I didn't get that Cronenberg. Though, there you go. Well, he owes you that. He owes you a Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. Then, I'll get it at Solihull. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, well, yeah, I mean, looking ahead to Weymouth. Uh, Weymouth, sorry. Woking. Not again, I can't cope with uh, that. No, no more Weymouth. That's enough of Weymouth. <laughs> That's enough of them for now. But, but um, yeah, Ben obviously can't be with us today, but he did inject some positivity through his social media. So here's a few. Be more Barrett. 
positive stat. So 16 sides in the league, including each below us, have conceded more goals than us. Woking have lost three on the spin, including going out of the FA Cup to Horsham. Yeovil have beaten Woking on each of the last three times at home. Aggregate score 9-2. And Ben has watched each of our last two wins and he's there on Tuesday night. So, um, I mean, we can take a bit of positivity out of that then maybe. I mean, uh, we've spoken about what, what needs to change. I mean what 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 can we do differently is it is it really just i mean those defen- <laughs> yeah exactly i mean those defensive statistics look really good and um uh chris uh, whose name i won't try and pronounce because i'll probably get it wrong he does the green and white gold he he made a point that um we've played each i think the the top 7 what does he say he said we've we i oh know we've already played each of the top four and eight of the top ten i don't get that but then ben says i think it's actually the top seven although kingsley and old shot maidenhead being the three games we've played who aren't in the top ten so i don't really understand that's confused me yeah now, but, but we've played a lot of teams that are at the top i think is what he's saying there i mean woking three defeats on the bounce uh three defeats on the bounce yeah can we can we get in something there, do you think? They wouldn't be in feeling too positive. I, I think so. And yeah. thank you, Ben, for doing all my commentary pre-work with all those stats. <laughs> I know, yeah, I'll send them across to you. Yeah. So that's great. Um, no, I think it's a great opportunity. It's back at home. We've got to nail down that home form. Got to nail down that home form. I know we've lost a couple on the bounce away as well, but that, that home form's got to change if we're going to be where we want to be and that's mid-table potentially pushing um and yeah three defeats on the row they went out to the FA Cup there there are gonna have to be I'd be very I mean I said this before um Grimsby so what did I know but I I would have thought there's got to be changes um uh, then ahead of a a tough away match at at Solihull and I think with Tom Knowles as he is I would I would just start him and I and I actually think maybe we need to as you say think about that 4-4-2 he is playing slightly different role this season and maybe we just need to get him more forward get him on the ball get him running at at players and and trying to to shoot because he has a little bit more of a success rate than uh Dale Gorman so um I think I had a little bit more of a success rate than Dale Gorman yeah I, I would love to see uh him starting again because I think he's crucial to us turning the form around as I say I think it is eight games six games obviously in the league without winning um which which of course is is a is a worry we didn't win for 10 games at the beginning of last season which you know was worrying for all of us and then we went on a great run so I hope that we can do that again um and yeah, I think he's got to change up the strikers. I really hope we see Ben Seymour um, straight in because I think give him 90 minutes, show us what you can do. And I think he's got to say to him, you know, you, you've got to just go for it. Try and run at, run at players. Just enjoy the fact that you're playing men's football. He's not played a lot at, at Exeter. Um, and that that's that's what I hope that we see. And I hope we see a decent enough atmosphere. I know the, the attendances, particularly on a Tuesday night, have been, have been tough, but getting behind them, we saw how much that crowd at Weymouth really spurred them on. Um, and it's amazing that, that make, it makes such a difference. And we have the best fans, so. Do you know what? I can't wait for Dale Gorman to score an absolute world deal <laughs> on Tuesday. If Dale Gorman scores a long shot, it's tequila on me. From, from, right, right I'll, that Dale. I'll, tequila's on Marcus. I'll, yeah. I'll hand deliver one to, to Gorman himself. If, if he scores a long shot on Tuesday. Um, but... Um, 
just going back to the atmosphere thing, Sheridan, yesterday, it was it, it was quite sad, actually, because Grimsby, it was an amazing... It, it, they were, it was absolutely packed. They, uh, everyone was... All you could hear was how good their new owners were. Um, they were so happy with change. It, it felt really, really similar to the Bromley game in Darren Searle's first season in charge, where it was Scott's first game in charge, I think, when everyone was obviously really happy that there was a change. Now, that's aged well. But um, it, there was an amazing atmosphere that day, I remember, and it felt really similar. We'd just come down. We were doing well in the league. And, um, yeah, it, it was hard to see because I, there was food everywhere. There was a lively atmosphere. Um, and it's like that's, that's what a club should be like. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully we don't need to talk about these issues for much longer. Um, I'm praying, but um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be tough to create a good atmosphere as well when there's no, there's obviously stuff going on in the background and that threat of uh, no goals, no threat at all into their box. It's hard for the play, the fans, sorry, to get really up for that. And I think it'd be really interesting to see what the reaction to this run, this winless run, would have been like without those two Weymouth games in the middle, because I think they've actually really helped to get something up because everyone was up for them and if we just had a league game instead that we didn't win I think there'll be a lot more anger and I know there's a lot already but yeah we we desperately need a win on Tuesday and I think that's you know going back to a point I made earlier is that their fans have seen that these players they care they are really buying in to this the you know the the reaction that they had with the fans we saw it at an older shot as well they were lovely scenes there that is still there and you know we can speak about a young team more we want but you know people are starting to really enjoy watching those 11 that take to the field and and their heart and their desire it's just got to get those results now and they know that they're footballers they don't want they don't like losing mm-hmm. um as as darren as darren said it's not okay to lose um but i think there is a is a progression there and i think you're right those those women's games were so so important particularly how we drew the first one um, but it just goes to what could happen. You know, that a thousand um, in the away end was quite something. Um, and Hewish Park can be a horrible place for opposition to come. Um, and that atmosphere can be created. We know it. Darren knows it more than anyone. And he'll be desperate to get that back. So, um, you know, if we can get a convincing win, maybe. Oh, do you know what? I don't care. A scrappy 1-0 win. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that'll be fine, fine by us. And he talked, didn't he, the manager after the game about coming out all guns blazing on on, on Tuesday night. I mean, that's surely got to be what it what, what it is, isn't it? Come all, all guns blazing. I mean, what have we got to what have we got to lose apart from the game, maybe? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, weird, weirdly, it sh- I know we conceded two yesterday, but defensively we were sound because the circumstances of the goals. I don't think there's much to worry about defensively unless suddenly we're playing two at the back or, or something ridiculous. But um, <laughs> That would be yeah, quite I'd, a change, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it might work, so yeah. why not? <laughs> but, um, yeah, i just go all out. I think it's similar thing happened last season when uh, we couldn't really get the win and couldn't really score goals. And we played four attackers and everyone was like, what is going on here? And it, I think it did sort of work with like Knowles and Quigley and Reed and... We just need to go for it. Anything to get some goals. I'd love to see us scoring three goals. Like, it would be amazing, but I, I 
genuinely can't see where they're coming from. Three forty yarders from Dale Gorman, and then <laughs> three bottles to... of tequila. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, it cost you a fortune, that, yeah. <laughs> right, fantastic. Well, uh, it's better, that's that's probably as as much as we've got time for today. But thank you both of you uh, for for joining us. Um, we'll be back on on Friday when hopefully we'll be talking about uh, Marcus off to buy a job <laughs> lot of tequila for Dale Gorman and then go and find him to deliver it. But yeah, thanks very much for your time, guys, and uh, yeah, we'll speak to everybody else. Uh, towards the end of the week. Thanks very much. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott, goal! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.